Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. Japs look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 95. My name is Felipe Leon, and with us all the way from Northern California is now she's back in Northern California, Miss Lupi Gutierrez. How you doing, Lupi? Hey, good. Hi, everybody. Mrs. Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez, because you're happily married with children. So then, uh, <laughs> also in the Inland Empire from Riverside is none other than Mr. David Avila. Hi everybody. How you doing, David? How's the weather treating you over there? I'm I'm guessing it's super hot because it's super hot down here in Tijuana. It's about 101 today, but I mean that's not very hot compared to what it was <laughs> last week. <laughs> it's like 80 degrees here, and I'm dying. So I think it's like 80 <laughs> degrees over there where uh, Loopy's at too. So, but yeah, 101, that's crazy. But uh, well, we have another great show. We got a lot to talk about. There's some recent news in the female boxing world, even though there hasn't been a lot of action. Uh, but we do have a special guest, almost as always, with tonight, Southern California super flyweight, Adelaida La Cobra Reese, joining us to talk about this up- upcoming documentary that she's a part of. Also, um, you know, just what's going on with her career, what's going on, when we will see her next. And uh, everything else that's going on in her life and her career, she'll be with us in about 15 minutes. And on our last show, we made a point to uh, state that there wasn't any major fights scheduled uh, the last couple weeks. But actually, last minute, uh, there was a fight in Mexico City between the interim uh, WBA Life Flyweight Champion, Jessica Neri Plata, and former world title challenger, uh, Sandra Robles. Um, it happened in Mexico City from the Mexico, uh, Mexico City uh, headquarters of the Azteca channel. Unfortunately, those fights are not sanctioned by any commission. So the fights on BoxRec are being uh, credited as a no contest, but they do give a decision because Sanford Promotions, a promotional company that is putting on these fights, has actually hired judges and referees, but not. There is no working commission right now in Mexico City because of COVID-19. So the the decision that they gave was a split decision for Neddy Plata, and the fight, I just watched it actually, and it was a really, really good fight. It was a close fight. I think it could have been a draw. I, I believe that Sandra Robles landed the uh, more punches, but Neddy Plata's landed the harder ones, actually buckling the knees of Sandra Robles um, in the second round. Did you get Did you get a chance to watch the fight, Lupi? No, I didn't. Can I Can I see it? Is it on YouTube or was it just on? Uh, I shared it on our, on our I shared it on our chat. It's on there. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so no, when you I guys didn't. get a chance, I'm go back. Yeah, and oh, it's yeah an, I'll go back. Yeah, it's an eight rounder, and and actually whoever edited the uh, 
the video did a really good job at it because it cut out the commercial. So it goes by fairly quickly. I mean, it goes by in, in 15, 16 minutes because um, it's a two-minute two round. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's a, it's a good fight. It's a close fight. I, I see. I could have seen that the tie, a draw. Unfortunately for Santa Robles, she's a very nice woman. She's from Tijuana, Mexico. I actually know her. And very nice woman, mother of a little girl. She's just that that kind of fighter that is good enough to beat everybody else except the world-class fighters. I mean, all her losses mm. have come to world-class fighters like like mm-hmm. Brenda La Bonita Flores, who at a time was the uh, strawweight champion for the WBC, polemic, you know, controversial champion, but she was for a split mm-hmm. second. Um, also, she also lost to the WBA 105-pound champion, Anabel Ortiz. She also lost to the, um, uh, who's this other one? The 108 champion, WBA, Jessica Tutti Pop. So all her losses have come to world champions, and she's beating everybody else she's faced. So um, she's just that kind of fighter that's good enough to uh, to uh, to beat everybody else, but not good enough to be a world champion. David, what comes to mind of another female fighter, maybe from currently or from the past, that you can remember from that intense, extensive encyclopedia mind of yours of female boxing that will kind of be like that kind of fighter that's like a really good fighter, but when you put her against a world-class fighter, against a world champ, she just can't cut it. Oh, there's a lot of those kind of fighters um, that I can think of. I mean, a lot of them. I mean, uh, the um, sheesh. It's hard. It's hard to just pick one. There's so many of them. I don't want to leave anybody out. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Um, it's hard to pick somebody out. Yeah, it really is. Oh, there's that girl that uh, that fought Sinisa Estrada. Uh, a couple of times. Uh, Panterita Torres. I forgot her first name, but I know what you're talking about. That gave her possibly, besides Marlene Esparza, who is somewhat of, I mean, she's like the gold champion, isn't she, for the WBA or something like that? She has like some kind of something like, like that. It, it's not a world title, but but besides Marlene Esparza, I think that uh, Panterita Torres from around Mexico City, the state of Mexico, gave Tenis Estrada her best fight so far in her career. Oh yeah, yeah Anahi yeah, I mean, Torres. Really good. What's that? Anahi Torres. Anai Anaito Anai Torres, La Panterita, Anai Torres. And that yeah. fight was on the undercard yeah. of uh of a triple G fight at the forum. I believe. Yeah. Very good yeah. fighter. Very yeah, good. she's a really good fighter. I think she won like some kind of regional title, but uh but it wasn't a world title. But yeah, she's a very good tough fighter. And I think Sandra Robles, although Sandra Robles' record is better than Anaí Torres, because Anaí Torres, I think she was like a 500 fighter. Um, I think that was a pretty good, pretty good fighter as well. Well, we are waiting for our special guest, Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz, to be calling in in about uh, five to ten minutes to talk about this up-and-coming documentary that she's a part of, as well as a lot of other topics. But why don't we jump into the fight chatter uh, here because there is some recent news, and the biggest one of the last couple of weeks is that former undisputed welterweight champion Cecilia Breakhouse has activated the rematch clause with recent conqueror Jessica McCaskill to challenge for all the belts at 147 pounds. 
Last month on The Zone, McCaskill defeated Breakhouse with a highly contested split, divis, divis, sorry, split divis, divis, uh, decision to hand a Norwegian by way of Colombia her first loss. Despite alluding to retirement, Breakhouse has now vowed to get back what is hers and feels she won the first fight. That fight is expected in 2021. David, do you have any insights as far as this decision by Cecilia Breakhouse and what, when and what we might see in that rematch? Well, uh, I spoke to Tom Loeffler, who, who handles uh, or works with uh, Cecilia uh, Breakhouse, and uh, he, he was saying that they're looking at probably January that the fight will take place. And they're hoping that uh, it'll be in front of fans. He also explained that it was kind of strange fighting in Tulsa and that uh, there was a lot of uh, requirements and protocols that they had to undergo. Uh, for instance, uh, I think she was there for seven days and couldn't leave her hotel room for four of those days until about a Wednesday. And then there was, she was allowed to go outside uh, and and meet with other people and eat and and train. She couldn't leave her room. And uh, that was another factor. But it was also the same for McCaskill. But he said it was very strange and that uh, hopefully the environment changes when they do fight in Jan- January. One thing that we did... Go ahead, Lupi. Um, are there, did she say anything about um, keeping Angel, Abel Sanchez in her in her corner? Uh, yeah, she is going to be uh, training with uh, Abel Sanchez and uh, Big Bear. Okay. Well, one thing that we did see in uh, in social media following both fighters and is that McCaskill, to a certain extent, had a – it seems like she had a better camp. It possibly wasn't – although she – also, always states that she's always training, and that is believe that that we is believable because we follow her on social media, and she's always training with Rick Ramos, her trainer and manager. But it looks like she was able to get some sparring. They were bringing in people in, you know. Obviously, I, I'm sure that they were following some kind of protocol as far as COVID with cleaning the facilities and and making sure that the fighters that they were bringing in were clean. Obviously, they were because both of them tested negative for the for the virus at their fight. Um, whereas Breakhouse, I believe she, she did have a little bit of sparring. One of the beautiful brawlers, I believe, was with her. But other than that, I don't think she had much more because Big Bear also is not, like, so easy to get there. I mean, it's in the mountains. It's like an hour. How, how far is it from downtown L.A., David? Uh, it's about two hours from there. It yeah, takes I mean, about an hour and a half, about two yeah, hours so, and, and twenty minutes. Two hours, twenty minutes. So with the pandemic and every pandemic, with the COVID nineteen going on and everything, I mean, I'm sure that it was pretty hard to get some sparring. And then, like she, she revealed to us here at the show when we had her, Cecilia, is that she had been there since like January, and then the fight was in August. Yeah. And obviously, and Abel also shared with us that. That um, that um, uh, that you know that he, you know, reduced some of the workouts. You know that kind of like slowed down the training to to keep her like not peaking. And then when they finally got the date and figured out that it was actually going to happen, they ramped it up. But I believe that breakouts is the kind of fighter that takes her breaks, especially because of her age. 
So being in camp and having to actually do something while a big for the whole time was a lot different than McCaskill, who is used to always training, always training, even if she doesn't have a fight uh, set up or scheduled, because that's, that's just the way that her and Rick Ramos, you know, work their camp. So I think that was a difference in the first fight. Whether it's going to be a difference in the second fight or the fact that Breakout is now back in Norway and is not going to come back into the United States until later this year to start camp make a difference, we don't know. I mean, that might just be her thinking that that's what it was, whereas it could have been just McCaskill all the way. But that we're going to see in the fight and in the rematch, and that's why they fight the fight, Loopy. Yeah, it, it came pretty fast, didn't it? But, um, you know, the Ramos, Rick Ramos, I mean, like you said, they're they're always working out and always training. And with COVID, they just set up, they were, they're in the same business, their investments, and they just set up their, their computers at, in the gym. And so they can train and work, train and work. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do that throughout the day, throughout your training True. day. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, but then um, – Cecilia could go home and get a big boost just from being around her family and come back ready, you know, ready to take all her belts back. Yeah, she just, I think she just needs that, that, that time off. She needs to reset. She needs to get mentally ready for the fight. Um, mm-hmm. She did mention in those interviews, in a couple of interviews that she has given since, um, since activating that rematch clause, that she feels that she could, if she would have boxed more and not fallen into Jessica McCaskill's fight that it could have been a lot better for her and that is something that we spoke about before um, the fight that we thought that she needed to do whereas more whereas with Abel Sanchez he wanted her to kind of like be more in Jessica McCaskill's face and we saw that that didn't work so uh, we'll see if she'll be able to reset and get back into that boxing mentality and get in the same page with Abel Sanchez as far as what kind of uh, strategy they want to use against McCaskill in the rematch. But we'll get, we'll talk more about this subject and more in our fight chatter. But now with us from um, Southern California is none other than undefeated super flyweight uh, fighter, Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz. Adelaida, how hey you doing guys. Hi, how are you guys? I'm good. <laughs> good, Hi. thank you. Thank you for being with us here on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jacks look at female boxing. And like always, we're going to pass the baton to the chief, Mr. David Avila. Go ahead, David. Adelaida, hi. How, how are you? Hi, David. I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? Not bad. Not bad. Any changes in your life? No, just COVID happening. <laughs> <laughs> no new no gyms or... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no new management um, or um no I'm pretty much at the same well right now because of COVID I'm training out of El Moreno's boxing gym in Montevideo but I'm still um at Casillas boxing gym and then which is that the city shuttles down for now because of COVID. Ah, uh, I see. So, so what what kind of changes do you have to do in terms of training? Is there any differences? Um, differences? No, not really. No. Just a change of gym. Are you able to spar with with enough people? Uh, my sparring? Uh, yeah, I have enough. Spar- it was kind of difficult 
to find sparring because everybody was kind of um, not training because of COVID or if they were training, they didn't want to say they were training because they didn't want the gym to get shut down. But um, for the past month and a half, um, I actually been getting my sparring there. So we're good. Yeah. Do you still do, do you work at a hospital or am I mistaken? It's a um provide a, it's a clinic, it's an office. Are you able to, to, to get uh, testing because of it? Um if, if we get testing there, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, so because we're wondering. we're considered like a we're considered like a clean clinic which we don't see any sick people, any anybody that has any type of symptoms, we don't see them there. So and I'm pretty much not close to patients at all, like direct patient care. I'm in an office. So I'm put oh, away. I see. <laughs> yeah. So 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 what is your perception of the of the of the fight world? I mean you've been able to see uh fights like McCaskill and Embracus and Katie Taylor and, and Delphine Pursun and also uh, um, Sinisa. So, so what? Seeing all that, what has that done for you? What, what do you see for yourself? Um, I see that women's boxing is growing. We're in an, an epidemic, and we're still seeing fights out there. So, it brings me up, like it gives me hope. Um, kind of puts me down because I'm not fighting. I'm not being active, but it brings me hope that hopefully by 2021, you know, we'll be seeing more. Of female fights out there, so I'm just getting ready and waiting for the opportunity to be called. It, the the last time we spoke, uh, you mentioned that you fight at 115, but you can fight at 112. Is that still a, a reality for you? Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. Now more than ever, yeah. So I could go down to 112 if I'm asked to. <laughs> If I need to oh, okay. to fight, yeah, I'll do it. You would need like a, a little bit of time though to make sure you can can make that weight. Um, no, I mean if no, I think we're we're just staying ready, and if they were to call us, I it, we'll be ready to be able to fight at one twelve. Now we're just staying ready now. Who are some of the fighters that you're looking at as possibilities for you? For me, I, I'm just looking at the world champions, whoever has the, the, the belt. So right cool. at the moment, it'll be um, the WBC Interium, Interium? Yeah, Interium um, Super Flyweight, which is Sonia Osorio, or the champion Guadalupe, or the WBO from Japan. So I'm just looking at the champions right now. I want belts, so that's what I'm looking for. And this year you're appearing on rankings. How does that feel to see your your name in the rankings for the first time? Feels awesome. It feels. I mean, like I said, we're staying ready, um, so it motivates me a little bit more. You know, just to be ready for any opportunity that comes to us. So motivates me. And you're still located in the Los Angeles area. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pass you on to to Lupi. Uh, I know she has a whole bunch of questions, and so does Felipe. But uh, thank you very much, Adelina. Thank you, David. Hey, Lupe. how are you? Hi, thank how you, are you? I'm good. Hi, good. good. Hey, do you prefer Delilah? Is that a nickname? Um, That is a, a 
a.k.a. yes, Delilah. Just because a lot of people don't know how to say my first name, so they just go by Delilah. How do you, how do you pronounce your, your first name? Adelaida. So see, it's easy, Adelaida. But Delilah's really pretty too. <laughs> yeah. So I Delilah. I'm gonna say Delilah. So Delilah. Yeah. <laughs> so sweet, sweet science called you the rapidly rising female star in it was uh, April of 2019. So with the exception of COVID-19, do you agree with that? I do. <laughs> I of do. course you do, right? <laughs> So let's go back to um, let's go back to April 2017, and it was your pro debut, which was your opponent's debut as well. You know, you dropped her with a left hook in the third, but I don't think she had recovered by the combos you threw seconds earlier. So tell us your favorite moment of your first pro fight. Oh, my first pro fight. Um, just seeing my. Do you remember dropping her? Do you remember dropping her? And yes, I do, but I I feel like it wasn't like a, I wasn't satisfied with that fight. Um, I just felt like it. I did drop her, but I didn't drop her the way I wanted to drop her. I feel like mm-hmm. it kind of she something with her left her her footing, her balance wasn't all there. So it just I wasn't really satisfied with that fight. Mhm. I I don't know if I'm being hard on myself. I mean, everybody tells me they're pretty good, but. I just feel like it wasn't me in that fight. I was I was nervous. I, I wasn't really thinking. Yeah. Well, that's what keeps you going, right? I mean, if you're satisfied in the first show fight, I mean, mm-hmm. it will keep you going. And, you know, you spoke with David about the three – actually, you, I wanted to ask you about the three-minute round. And I wanted to ask you because um, going back to your fight with Dalio Gomez and you won that by unanimous decision, do you remember that fight? Yes, I remember that fight. So, so would that fight have, actually? I want to know how you feel about going to the three minute round, and would that fight have ended differently if you had that extra minute? If it would have gone differently, because mm-hmm. you won by unanimous decision. But if you had yes, that I extra did. minute, do you think you could have um, you could have ended it, doctor? Um. I don't think so. Um, I think Dahlia was a pretty tough. Not, I mean, she was tough. She could, she was able to take a punch. So I don't think I would have been able to drop her. Um, she, I mean, she had a chin. I mean, she, she was tough. She was a tough girl. Yeah. So are you reaching out? I, you were talking to David. Um, you know, so the Mio Yashido. She's got the WBO Superfly. Casey Morton has the vacant. Um, so are you reaching out to any fighters or have you tried to get fights with even other California girls? Are they avoiding you? Um, is there anybody you reached out to? Yes, we are. We, we were actually working on something. Um, so, um, hopefully we have, I might be fighting this year, the end of the year. So, um, we're working on something. So yes, I got hopefully a big fight coming up. So who do you want? Who do you want next? Or who's your dream fight? Like I said, any of the world champions that right now that are holding any title belts. Mm-hmm. I just want to start fighting for titles now. Or so I if I could has... be able to fight on TV. Yeah, yeah of course. And hold myself way, a little I mean, bit more, you know. 
And you must love how during lockdown, wasn't it great to have um, Michaela Mayer and ESPN? I mean, there's so many fights on Design and UFC Fight Pass. I mean, do you see the opportunities are growing for you, right? Yeah, for sure. I would love to fight on one of those cards. So are you, I know David asked you about if you had any changes, but are you, who, do you have a promoter right now? I mean, who's your manager? Who's your team? Uh, well, my team remains stay? the same. No, my mm-hmm. team remains the same. My coach is my dad. My man, my, my sister's helping me manage my, my fights and everything. And I'm still fighting with, um, I'm not signed with Red Boxing Promotions, but mm-hmm. they're the ones that are actually, you know, getting me my fights that I'm asking for. So I'm just fighting with them at the moment. Oh, that's great. So you're able to do what you want. You know, I really yeah. like, I work with my sister too. And I think it's, it doesn't make it easier that you can, you have your dad training you and you can give your sister the rest of your worries, right? Does she take a exactly. lot of that from you so you can train? She does. She does most of the homework for me. And um, I trust her to the fullest. I mean, she's been, I mean, our family's been not around boxing, but I mean, she knows what she's doing. So I trust her. Yeah, and she knows what she's doing because she probably wants to do a great job because it's her sister. So you're like in yeah. a win situation. Yeah. Until you get a great, you know, until you you figure out your promoter or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. D- um, Delilah, that documentary in her corner. So you know, I love that all the women were involved in the project. I mean, the producer was a woman, the director, the art designer, and you were one of the women in combat sports chosen to be filmed. Did you have a connection to USC Cinematics, or how were you chosen to be documented? Um, I didn't. Um, actually, the director, Emma, reached out to me. Um, I don't remember how she said they told Somebody told her about me or mentioned me, and she reached out to me, so that's how it happened. <laughs> that is great. You know, I'm and, always, you know, I'm going to be, yeah. go ahead. No, that I'm always, I'm open pretty much, to, you know, to work with anybody, you know, so, yeah, I liked her yeah, idea. And you're, and, yeah. you're in the perfect area, too. You know, you guys have it all for boxing and film, right? Yeah, There's no other was, place for you to be. Then LA. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. And so, um, you know, and that's going to be for everybody listening. It's um, the Catalina Film Festival, and it's happening, like, right now, right? Right, Delilah? Like, right now. So you can go like, on great. Facebook page. Yeah, and get no, actually on there. it'll go on tomorrow, the 18th. Streaming oh, tomorrow? tomorrow. Okay. Yes, the 18th. Yes, I'm gonna yes. watch it this weekend. Yeah. So one last question: um, Do you want your kids to box, or do you want them to compete? My my children. Mhm. Um. Mm, I mean, if they're my kids are pretty active, but they don't box. I mean, they love to exercise and stay active. If they're willing to box, I will love it. But at the moment, they don't want to box. They just use it as a exercising type of thing. Oh, that's good. And self-defense. And yeah, so I mean, I I still have hopes that one day they're gonna they're gonna tell me like, yeah, you know, mom, I want to do it, and I'll be I'll be happy, you know, I'll be happy. Um. Because I started, I didn't start training until I was twelve, almost thirteen. So I mean, there's still time. <laughs> there's still kids. There is still time, and then you can just keep the family dynasty going. 
I know. <laughs> and like I told them, you guys need to be the second, third generation, second, <laughs> and keep it going. I know. That is so great. Hey, it was so great talking to you, and thank you for coming on. Thank you, Lupe. Bye, uh, Felipe. Adelaida, Adelaida, I pronounce it the way that you should, Lupe. So uh, I don't know how why you would even ask <laughs> her you. how to pronounce it when yeah. I said it like three times. <laughs> hey, I have to make up for last the last show when I I butchered uh, McCarter. What? How do you, how do you say her last name? Uh, Layla. McCarter. I butchered My her last, last show. So, no, 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 no. Last on our last show we had Layla McCarter, and I messed up her last name. I kept saying it a different way, so I had to make McCarter. up for it and say your and say your name uh, <laughs> the right way, which is Adelaida. Um, yes. Adelaida, going back a little bit to to when everything shut down in Southern California. I'm right here in Tijuana, but I mean, I'm right across the border from San Diego, and you're in LA, so it's kind of like it's been kind of close to as far as the shutdowns. So when everything shut down. Did you train at home or did you decide to take a little bit of a break because you just didn't have anywhere to go? Um, We actually, we were training at home in our garage, but, you know, it's not the same thing, but we were trying to stay active at home. What is different about training? I mean, obviously it's a garage and it's not a gym, but, and you don't have a ring. I'm sure that you might have, you know, a heavy bag and maybe a, a speed bag. I don't know what you have in the gym. I mean, obviously you could jump rope, you could shadow box. But other than that, what is actually the difference? Is it like a feeling, the atmosphere of being inside a gym that kind of motivates you more uh, instead yeah, of a garage? It is. Is it um, is being inside the gym that motivates me to do a little, to push myself a little bit more? Um, the people in there, you know, training, you know, you see somebody there, you know, you look at them like, oh, damn, they're training hard. Let me train harder than them or let, let me push myself a little bit more. You know, it, it mm. motivates me to be around that boxing era and versus me, myself, and just my dad at home, you know. It's just different. Now, the last time that I was in the gym, and I think it was the last time that David was in the gym as well, was at the Maywood Boxing Club in about, I think it was February when we went up there, well, I went up there to see you spar with uh, Naoko Fujioka and one of the fighters that you mentioned that you would like to get in the ring for her WBO Super Flyweight title, which is Miyo Yoshida. What did you learn from Miyo Yoshida in that sparring session? Um, what did I learn? Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I... I when I sparred them, I wasn't really training. So I feel if I would have been at a, you know, training a little bit more and with more conditioning, I think I would have had more speed. Um, she, I, I don't know. I, I can't really say. I don't know. <laughs> Did you feel, I mean, you said you weren't training that well. And, and obviously David and I were there and we saw that it was great sparring. I mean, I didn't see her taking, you know, having a better day than you did. You hung in there with them. Um, so do you feel that kind of gave you the confidence that if Naoko Fuyoka is a veteran, considered the best Japanese fighter of all time, and Miyo Yoshida is the current 115-pound champion for the WBO, and you were right there with them, do you feel that it gave you kind of like the confidence that, 
if it were to be a fight, I could be I could be here with them. It did give me the confidence. Yes, you're right. <laughs> now, you also mentioned that you sound pretty confident that you can make 112 pounds. You know, it sounds like like you don't need extra time. That you probably have to just change your diet a little bit and work a little bit harder, but that you could make that 112 pound limit pretty comfortably comfortably and for the most part fighters tend to go as low as they can even sacrificing a lot we've seen it you know almost having to be carried into the the weight uh to get weighed to the to the scale on weight day so why why did you concentrate on 115 and that actually try to make 110 to perhaps have a little bit more of an advantage over your opponent Mm, because I I feel um, I don't know why he wants me at one fifteen. Um, even though I could make one twelve, I I think one fifteen is 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 idle for me. Um, I feel strong there, and I'm not saying I wouldn't be strong at one twelve, but one fifteen is the way we want to stay, and that's you know go from there. Okay. But but like you told David, you could go down to one for the right fight. You would go down to one twelve. Yes, for the right, yeah, for the right fight and for the right, you know, yeah, we'll we're working. Um, we'll go down to one twelve. But for now, I want my title fights at one fifteen. But if I mean, we're willing to go to one twelve if it's possible. But one fifteen is my weight. Now for the right fight, how heavy are you willing to go? How heavy? Mm-hmm. Um, for the right fight. For the right fight, I mean, we're trying to work on you know one fifteen, then go up to one eighteen, and then um, I see myself going up to one twenty two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one twenty two. Yeah, because you're pretty tall for for your weight, one fifteen. I mean, I see you going to one twenty two as well. You told Loopy that in your pro debut, you weren't satisfied with that fight. You knocked the fighter down, you won the fight, but you weren't satisfied with that fight. Which of the fights that you had as a pro are you actually satisfied with? Um, I was really satisfied with, I think, was my 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 fourth fight. I think it was fourth or fifth, the one with uh, Elena. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that fight, I mean, I was training for somebody else. Actually, um, I was training for Delia because she's the rematch, you know. Um, so we were fighting for her. So Reina came in, came into the picture, I think, like two weeks prior to the fight. So it was like a total, like, 360 on it. So, yeah, I was really satisfied with that fight. What what happened in that fight that besides you being able to adapt to a new opponent at such a short notice, what happened during the fight that made you uh, feel that satisfaction? Um, first, she was, you know, undefeated. Um, she was, um, I mean, she had tons of amateur experience. Um, and during the fight, I mean, it, it felt like I was fighting with myself. She had kind of the same style as I did, you know, so it, it made it harder for me to kind of, um, like, you know, kind of like um, study her within the first round, you know, it was hard because she was fast, and I, I just couldn't study 
much of her, you know, and she hit pretty hard. So it made it difficult for me. But then I, I, I think I had the most conditioning and the most power that at the, I don't know if it was the fourth, the third or the fourth round, I kind of outbeat her. So, you know, it gave me the confidence. You mentioned to David that you're probably not seeing any action until 2021. Is that the decision that you and your team have come to that if anything, if nothing comes up that makes sense, you're willing to wait till 2021? No, I, we're actually working on something to happen this year. So I might possibly be fighting the end of this year. Mm, okay, so but you don't have, have a... My team is actually working on something. Well, you don't have anything... Do you know if it'll be like October, November? Um, possibly the end of October. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a hard question because... This is something that I've always mentioned on the show, and whenever we talk about, even not on the show, but, you know, talking about people, about female boxing and boxers out there, is that I don't understand why a company like Golden Boy Promotions wouldn't go after a fighter like you because of your story. You know, you're, you're a mother of three children who stopped boxing as an amateur and came back as a mother of three children because you didn't want to have that what if moment later in your life to like, what if I would have came back? What if I would have, you know, fought as a pro, the dream that I always had, and I stopped because I wanted to form a family. So you decided to do what you needed to do and go back into the gym and become a professional boxer because you didn't want to have any regrets later in life. So that's a, to me, that's a, a beautiful story. Not only that, but you're Mexican-American. You speak fluent Spanish. You're a knockout artist, you're willing to fight. So I don't understand why a company from East LA or from Los Angeles, but you know, from the truth in East LA wouldn't go after a fighter like you. Have you ever had any contact with them? Have they tried to talk to you? Anything with, with Golden Boy? Um, I have. I mean, um, my team actually did reach out to them. Um, I didn't really like their answer, and I'm not. I'm not gonna say it out there. What they told me, um, mm-hmm. because to me it was kind of um, not insulting towards me, but an insult to the female fighters they have. Um, so I just left it as that. Um, I mean, pretty much I see it as you have to know somebody to be somebody as of now. So I'm just, you know, I love boxing and I'm just willing to do so. And like I've told everybody, I'm not doing it for the money. So I don't care about the pay. And that's what I told them. I was just willing to, you know, put me in one of your shows and I'll I'll show you that I could sell basically tickets and have a good fight for the fans. But I mean, basically, now I see it as you have to know somebody to be somebody. So, yeah, I mean, it's okay. I'm just going, like I've told other people, Red Boxing Promotions, um, they're working with me and they're getting me the fight that I'm, I want. And, I'm, I mean, even though I'm not signed with them, and I, they're, they're making my dream come true. So I'll, I'll just stick to them and and go from there. Perfect. Now, my last question is, tell us a little bit more about the documentary. What is it What is it about, the actual documentary? It's about um, my life as a mother and a boxer. Mostly as a boxer. So they film me in the gym. They, fil- they 
they're going to be saying my story on how I came back to to the boxing world and why I stopped and so on. Yeah. And then there's other Pretty stories cool. of other there's other stories of other women on the documentary as well. Yes, there's um two other um stories um just that you know and in the process of doing the documentary um COVID hit. <laughs> Well, that yeah. kind of sucked. Yeah. But I mean, we still managed to do it. Are the other women boxers as well? Um, I, one of them is a um, Muay I think. Muay Thai? Uh-huh. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Uh, another one is a boxer. Amateur. Okay. And uh, where, where, where is it going to be able – where are you going to be able to see the documentary starting tomorrow? Um, the Catalina Festival. Films. And so just Google um, that and a website will come up. Yeah, it's um, Flix Ticks. I, I don't really know it, <laughs> but uh, if you Google the the Catalina Festival films, it'll redirect you to where um, it's going to be streaming. And there's a cost. There's do you know what the cost is? Um, the cost with them will be twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. Okay, perfect. So why don't you tell our audience? Uh, like that, where they can find you and where they can follow your story, and that way they can keep up with you and find out when you fight next. Um, well, they can follow me on Instagram. Um, I usually post any updates there at La Cobra underscore Ruiz, and um, yeah, pretty much my Instagram. <laughs> okay, well, Adelaila, we want to thank you for being here with us. And that's the first time that you're here with us. And it's not going to be the last time. Hopefully, we get to talk to you once you announce that fight. And we'll talk about that. Um, but we thank you for your time. And we hope you have a great night. And take care. Night. <laughs> All right. Bye. Uh, thank you, Adelaila. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Good night. Well, there you have it. We have Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz who talked to us about the upcoming documentary that you can see tomorrow on. It's called In Her Corner, and it follows her and a Muay Thai fighter and an amateur boxer, female fighter, all females, um, and tells their story. And possibly also in the middle of the pandemic, because she said that COVID hit while they were doing it. And you can find that by Googling the Catalina Film Festival, and then that will redirect you to where you can start streaming that tomorrow. So uh, very interesting. I found the most interesting thing is that that uh, comment about Golden Boy. Now I really wish I knew what Golden Boy told her or why they weren't interested in her. She didn't mention that she said it wasn't so far as particular to her, but to female boxing in general. Like that's kind of the idea that she gave me. So I don't know. We're going to have to put our... Our number one sleuth, <laughs> our number one sleuth on case to find out what that was. <laughs> David, <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, you know uh, for for people that are listening, Adelaide Ruiz is one of the most exciting fighters around, especially from the Los Angeles area. We're, and we have a lot of fighters, including uh, Sunisa Estrada. They, in fact, they they spar the same gym at times, and I don't know if they've ever sparred each other. I think they have, Sinisa and uh, Adelaida. Uh, I I would I would love to see that, Sinisa yeah. and Adelaida, because because uh, is very fast and Adelaida's tall and she knows what she's doing. 
But uh, you know yeah, who else she's working the... with? You know who else she's working with? Um, uh, Marari, who just won her second fight. She's working. Mm. They're working together. Yeah, Marari Marari goes around and 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 uh, works with uh, with a lot of fighters in the LA area. Senecia, mm-hmm. she's like one of the Adelaida's chief sparring partners. She works with her a lot. I think because they live nearby. Yeah, it's smart that they all get together. You know, they're close. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I mean, hopefully we get uh, who she's gonna fight next. Which she said she might find out in uh. Uh, in October, they're working for something in late October, and and we'll see what happens there. Um, and hopefully, we find out what's going on. Well, we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. One, with, one uh, fight I'd like to see. One one fight I'd like to see uh, Adelaida is uh, against Marlon Esparza or Sulem Urbina. That would be a great fight. Mm-hmm. Either one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. If you yes. got a chance to get either girl, that would be a great fight. Yeah, that would those will be very very good fights, um, and and they would have to be ready for Adelaida because the one thing about Adelaida is that you know she's a mother, she has three kids, she's a little bit older than than the two. But actually, I, I might I don't even know if she might be a little bit older than because Sulem is I think like she's younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's Sulem's like almost like uh, and she's in her late twenties and and and. Uh, Actually, Sulem, I think she might be in her 30s or like at 30, and uh, Marlene's yeah. at yeah, like is. at 30, at 30 as well. Because they, I didn't include so, them in that story, and they should have been included, but I think they're 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 30 or more. So and I, so uh, so you know, you know, I was watching um, a couple of the fights today because I know the girl she fought, and her pro debut was against. Um, she she's an older fighter, but it was a few what 2017 Becky Light. That was and she said she didn't wasn't satisfied with it for a pro debut. You know her hooks were a little sloppy and a little wide, but for a pro debut, I mean she knocked her down pretty good. And then there was another knockdown that could have been a slip, but she gave her a couple eight counts. You know, and then the one against uh, then you go to her fifth fight, which was um, Dalia Gomez, and you could see how she's tightened up and how she's in control and getting a little bit more power. And you know, it's, it's, to me, if she had a three minute round with Dalia, Dalia wasn't going to make it. Not yeah, she wouldn't knock And yeah. one thing about Adelaida is that David started uh, mentioning to her to me so highly that I actually drove up there to see her fight. You know, like I actually made it a point to drive up to um, the casino, Commerce Casino, to see her fight because David had talked so well about her and, and, and I wanted to see her fight. So that is one thing that when David Ayla speaks highly of you, uh, you're, you're somebody to be reckoned with. What happened to the other fighter, David, that fought on that card that was from Kazakhstan? Uh, she's still up. She's still, uh, she's still training. She had some... Uh... She had been fighting in Mexico, but she's still training, um, I think, in Azusa, uh, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Or Duarte. In Duarte, she's, uh, she's training. Is that, the, is that the fighter who had the, her last fight? She was thrown out of the fight, her and her team, and, and then they pulled her back in to fight? What is her name? Um, I don't know. She has a really long name. Yeah, she has a long, really like, long. long last name. Well, yeah. Going back to the fight chatter and to finish up the story with Cecilia Breakhouse and Jessica McCaskill, um, one thing that I found interesting before we move on to the next note is 
in an interview that is featured on ringtv.com, I believe, with Jessica McCaskill and Rick Ramos, they kind of laid out their plan, and that was before Breakhouse activated the rematch clause, where they thought it was in the best interest of everybody, the three females, that McCaskill would do the rematch with Taylor, and then whoever won that fight, obviously Rick Ramos and McCaskill being confident that they would be able to beat Taylor in the rematch, then fighting Cecilia Breakhouse. And I believe that I was a little bit wishful thinking because I didn't see that if Breakhouse was willing to come back and not retire, that she would allow for Taylor to have an opportunity to win those welterweight titles. Because now if Taylor beats McCaskill, then Breakhouse has to chase Taylor and come to the table and negotiate with Taylor perhaps a a lower catch weight to try to get those titles. So it was in Breakout's best interest to go after McCaskill and not wait for McCaskill to fight Taylor. Do you think that is the right route, or do you agree more with Rick Ramos, David? Uh, that's hard to say, you know, I mean, because everybody has their own agenda, and I understand, I mean, because Ramos is going to fight for his fighter, and then uh, on the other side you have Tom Loeffler is going to fight for his fighter. And, um, you know, it's whatever fits their purposes best. So you can't blame either person or you can't really side with either person. I, I understand. I understand that. But, which, but if it was your choice, which route would you have taken? Mm, it's, hard, it's just hard to say. I mean, it, of course, for McCaskill, what Rick Wommel said, yeah, that's the right route for him, for them. And for Cecilia, you know, it's 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 just hard to say which is the best. As a fan, who who would I want to say? Uh, yeah, I'd like to see McCaskill fight uh, Taylor as a fan in a rematch, or you know, break uh, break us. Yeah, I'd like to see her too, but I, I just can't say who which uh, which step should go first. But but I think that fight. That fight against Taylor can still happen after the fight with Breakhouse because I mean, if what we if what we understand the fight with Breakhouse against McCaskill should be in the first trimester of 2021 if everything works out, then we could expect mm-hmm. for McCaskill if she ends up winning to face Taylor next. If she ends up losing, perhaps a fight in between and then fight Taylor at the end of 2021. So that fight can still happen in the future. Now if yeah. Breakhouse ends up winning. Who knows what she ends up doing? Does she keep going or does she retire with the win? Because one thing that she did mention in those interviews that she did since they reactivated the rematch clause is that that is not the performance that she wanted to end her career with, and that was one of the motivating factors for her to come back. Yeah, she wants to um, win and retire with all her belts, which I think that's a great idea, you know. As for um, like who who should fight? Should it be Cecilia and Taylor, or or Jessica and Katie Taylor? I think for Rick Ramos, I mean, I mean he wants he does what's best for his team, and he really does from the bottom of his heart. He really thinks it out. But I think either way is the way to go. I mean, the Cecilia and Jessica, I think I'd love to see that because it'd be great to see Cecilia try and take those belts back. But and with Katie Taylor, I mean, the way Delphine. 
boxes. I mean, it's, it puts a real, it's a challenge for Katie. So if you put somebody like Jessica is more wild, more of a brawler than Delphine, that's, that's a good fight too. But I guess it's all about what the big money fight is, which is Cecilia uh, versus Jessica, I guess. Mm. Do you agree with that, David, that that's the bigger money fight? Or do you think that Taylor commands more of a purse for McCasco? Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, purse-wise, it would be uh, Taylor. I mean, Taylor is going to be the – if everything goes well, she's going to be the first million-dollar fighter. That mm-hmm. That's the way it looks. Uh, who knows, you know, especially with the conditions right now because of the epidemic. It, it, it might, we don't know if it's going to get worse or better. But if things go right, Katie Taylor will be the first million-dollar fighter. Yeah, uh, and I – I agree with that. I agree that that the bigger purse is against uh, against Taylor. Now moving on to the next note, it was recently announced by the Zone that Brit Chantel Cameron will face Brazilian Adriana dos Santos Arajo for the vacant WBC Super Lightweight title in England. The announcement confirms the fact that Jessica Macasco has vacated the WBC and possibly the WBA titles at 140 pounds. Now I when I have when we do the show, I bring up a page on Wikipedia, that is, if you Google list of current female boxing champions, somebody or uh, a number of editors um, keep up with this uh, with this uh, page on there, and it basically has all the all the uh, female world champions, the current world champions. They have them listed on here, and if you go to super lightweight on the uh, on the uh, Wikipedia page here, the WBA title shows vacant. But the WBC still shows McCaskill as the champion. But if we go by this announcement by the Zone and Matchroom Boxing, uh, Chantel Cameron is going to be fighting for that WBC title against the Brazilian uh, Adriana dos Santos Arajo. So it, it looks to me that that McCaskill made their decision and decided to vacate the WBA and WBC titles, and obviously staying with the uh, welterweight titles because she's having that rematch with with. Uh, with uh, with the breakout, so the the dream of having, um, you know, Macasco defend all the titles that at 140, the titles that she owns at 140 and 147 are out the window now because as of now it seems like she's not the current WBC WBA super lightweight champion, David. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. I, um, it would have been history making, but uh, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe because uh, I mean. Thinking of all those sanctioning fees, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that they is a lot of money. <laughs> I'm sure that they would have to cut some kind of deal, I mean, to do the both divisions, but but it's not going to happen. Now, Lupi, one thing that, that I saw on Twitter, I believe, is uh, I think it was Sule Morvina and Micaela Mayer having a little bit of a, of a conversation about this fight because it seems that Adriana Dos Santos Araujo, I don't know, Araujo or something like that, is undefeated as a pro of 6-0, but it it seems like she has some kind of an amateur pedigree, and Chantel Cameron also has an amateur pedigree. Do you know anything about Adriana Dos Santos as far as the amateurs, the Brazilians? The only thing I do know is that uh, the fights that were listed on BoxRec, she has a lot more fights than that. As far as amateur or professional? Yeah, amateur for amateur. Okay. She has a lot more than it's recorded because Boxrec just started doing the amateur recordings and a lot are missing for a lot of the girls. 
Yeah. I think um, by Ms. Castro vacating, it was the best thing that could have happened to Chantel Cameron because, you know, her calling out Katie Taylor got her kind of out there. The diehards know and Chantel, but a lot of, I think she has to get her name out here more for anybody else to care. And by her calling out Katie was, it got her name out there. And she seemed less boring to the to the fans. And now with Jessica out, this is good for her. Mm-hmm. Now, and with Mayor, people like, huh? go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, what about? But see, I missed it on Mayor and um, Sulem. I've been distance learning, so I've been went off on my son from like eight thirty to three thirty at school. So I haven't been on. I'm usually all over social media, so I missed that. So um, and I'll go check it out later. But what exactly were they talking, uh, Michaela and Sulem? I think that I think Salem uh, I, I mentioned about the fight and mentioned that it yeah, was a good fight right. because of their because of their amateur pedigree and Mayor mm-hmm. oh and that she and that Salem didn't had hadn't realized that Adriana dos Santos had actually gone pro she didn't know that she had gone pro because Salem had a very extensive international amateur uh, mm-hmm. career so she knows all the she knows all the fighters and uh, yeah. and Mayor. And Mayor mentioned to her, yeah, she went pro, and I think that Cameron is going to win easy. So Mayor actually went on the record saying that Cameron is going to beat Dos Santos Arajo quite easily, according to Michaela Mayor. So, uh, so oh, that without, was a little... Without knowing, yeah, without knowing her amateur background. Well, no, because I think Mayor, yeah. knows, uh, Do, Mayor knows Dos Santos Arajo's amateur background as well, because she was a... An amateur, an international amateur as well. Oh, so she's probably right. seen, okay. So she's probably seen her fight I'm as a, well in the amateurs, and and now knows that Cameron is better according to her, and that she's going to win the fight. Oh. So that fight's going to happen in October. And now that Clarissa Shields has established herself in the 150 pound division, um, the different the different boxing organizations will begin to piece out her middleweight crown with arch nemesis Savannah Marshall taking on Anna Rankin for the vacant WBO strap. The 10-round fight will take place on October 17th in England in a fight card promoted by Eddie Hearns Matchroom Boxing on the, uh, on the zone in the United States. And if we go back to that website, that, that Wikipedia page that I mentioned, the, the, the page still shows Clarissa Shields as a WBA, WBC, and IBF world champion at middleweight, but shows the WBO title as vacant. So Savannah Marshall, who is the only woman to who can claim a win over Clarissa Shields in the amateurs or the pros, because Clarissa Shields only lost once in about almost 80 fights as an amateur, only lost championships against Savannah Marshall from England, has not lost as a pro. So the only fighter that can claim a win over Clarissa Shields is Savannah Marshall, and she is going to be fighting for the vacant WBO title um, on October 17th. So here we're going to see Savannah Marshall fighting on the world stage against a, a good, experienced fighter in Anna Rankin, David. Anna Rankin, Lausler, I believe, uh, has, right? Mark Taffet does. Oh, Mark Taffet. So Mark Taffet, wow, so Mark Taffet has the opponent for Savannah Marshall for that WBO for that WBO strap. So what do you think about that fight, Luffy? Um, do you think that – who do you think wins, actually? Who do I think wins? I think the fans win. But, but – <laughs> um, Seriously, because nobody, nobody really 
sometimes you go, nobody cares. And I don't mean nobody cares, but people are like, they, they'll watch it, but nobody really cares. This time they do care because Savannah Marshall, another one who claims it's her claim to fame, having that one fight over um, Clarissa, people want to see it. And if it's Hannah Rankin, and people like Hannah Rankin, she's a, she's the first, you know, first world champion in Scotland. She's just a nice girl. She's a musician. But who wants it more? And you know what? Savannah Marshall wants it more. But then again, Hannah Rankin's in Clarissa's camp. So it's going to be, it's going to be a great fight. I agree. I agree because Savannah Marshall, you know, she has that claim to fame against Carissa Shields, and that's pretty much all she has. She makes it a point to to have everybody know mm-hmm. that she did this, that she beat Clarissa Shields in the amateur. She's the only one to do it, and that she could do it again in the pros, right? But this is her introduction. This is her debut into the world stage. She wins this fight. She becomes a WBO world champion. She now has the right to say, hey, I'm on the world stage. I'm a champion. You want to have this fight? Let's make this fight with Clarissa Shields because obviously that is the big fight and that's the big money fight for Savannah Marshall. David, what do you think about the fight? Uh, which fight? The Rankin? Marshall, yeah, Marshall Rankin. Yeah. Uh, is this the first time? I have one question. Is this the first time Savannah Marshall is fighting at 160? Because I know she's been fighting at 168. Um, let's find out. Uh, and do you think that's going to make a difference? Because Anna Rankin, I think, I has think been so. fighting at, but she's been fighting, Anna Rankin has actually been fighting someone at uh, 154 as well. Yeah. Let's I mean, I mean if let's... Marshall has to drop down, that, that might be, you know, that might sap some energy from her. Let's see. Let's go. Let's take a little bit of a deep dive on, on here real quick. Let me just get there. Uh, Let's see here. Savannah Marshall is eight and zero, and we'll go we'll go in here real quick. The silent assassin, Savannah Marshall. She's uh, 29 years old, eight and zero with six knockouts. And her first her debut, she was at 164. Then she went to 163, 165, 164, 166, 163, 166, and 165. So she's not a super middleweight. Just that she hasn't had to fight. For a title, so no. she wasn't gonna yeah. kill herself to make the 160. But now that she's fighting at 160, she's gonna make it. So I don't think it's at a disadvantage. She did stop Alejandra Ayala of the Ramos boxing team in two rounds back in uh, 2018. But Ayala is a welterweight going up to 164. So you know that was a bit. I, that I was a little that. bit of a. I know I spoke to Ayala. She she did say that Savannah Marshall was the hardest hitter she ever faced. Yeah. She did Let's say see. that. Now, Anna Rankin, who is 30 years old, and she's nine wins, four losses, with only two knockouts from Glasgow, Scotland, like Lupi mentioned. She has been fighting at 158, 151, as low as 152, 153. 153, 158, 158, 158, 154, 152. So she's like a natural super welterweight. I mean, she's a super welterweight going up to 160. So there's going to be the difference. I, I think Savannah Marshall has the, the size advantage because I, it seems to me that she's a 160, only fighting a little bit higher to not kill herself, whereas Anna Rankin mm-hmm. is going to have to go up to 160, and she has no power. She only has two knockouts out of nine fights. So... um so I think it, as far as the size, uh, Savannah Marshall has the advantage there. But Rankin has a Rankin has the experience because she's fought uh, more 
world-class fighters than Savannah Marshall has in the pros, you know, obviously not mentally that Clarissa Shields fight in, in the amateurs. And she doesn't want to let Clarissa down. That's huge. That's For Hannah? Yeah, and I, I, I would imagine. I imagine that. Yeah, I imagine that Clarissa is gonna try to give her all the pointers that she can, because there will be nothing better. Well, I don't know because maybe Clarissa wants to be the one to beat Savannah to shut her yeah. up. Because if yep. Savannah Marshall, <laughs> if Savannah Marshall loses to Anna Rankin, we might still see that fight against Clarissa Shields in the future, but it won't be like in 2021 because, because there will be no point, you know, because Savannah, I would be, I would believe that Clarissa Shields would look to uh, find bigger and better prey than a beaten Savannah Marshall. But, you know, I, I think that Savannah Marshall has everything in her favor to become the new uh, WBO uh, middleweight champion, but we are going to wait until October 17th to see that actual fight happen. And now, lastly, in uh, more news from Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing, the promoter from England is making big moves in the female boxing world, but especially in the super featherweight division. Earlier this summer, it was announced Hearn has signed WBO 130-pound champion Eva Bronica, and earlier this week, he signed IBF champion Maiva Hamadouche of France. With that, Hearn controls, for the moment, three-fourths of the super featherweight crown with WBC champion Terry Harper also under his promotional flag. And we do say for the moment, because we all know that Michaela Mayer is scheduled to face um, Eva Pranica next month in October, I believe, for that WBO crown. Then if Mayer wins mm-hmm. that fight, which I believe she will, um, mm-hmm. then you know she has a chance to go after Terry Harper and Maiva Hamadouche with Eddie Hearn to try to unify the titles, leaving Hugh Min Choi of the uh, WBA out in South Korea. What do you think of this move, David, by Eddie Hearn signing Maiva Hamadouche? I think he he sees what, every, what everybody else that knows the super featherweight division, that that's the most exciting division right now, uh, without mm-hmm. a doubt. I mean, it's very... I mean, it's ready to explode. I mean, you have all these mm-hmm. matches. You can pick any of them. And uh, and then you, you put in Michaela in the middle. And, uh, I mean, I can see big paydays coming out of this. Yeah. And I, I, I see that's the direction they're going. We need Eddie Hearn in the, in the yeah. States. Yeah, Lupe. What do you, well, let's go. Let's, before we move on to that, because I do have some questions regarding that. Not so much Eddie Hearn, but mm-hmm. Mama Hamadouche. Signing uh, with with Hearn, what do you think about that? I think it's a great move. I mean, Hamadou, she's she's an exciting fighter. I mean, she just doesn't give up. She's relentless, and she, you know, I mean, she's the only one I think that gives Michaela a run. That would be that would be the the fight, the really exciting fight. Yeah, that's what I'm one thing. I... Go ahead, David. Oh, excuse me. Oh, one thing I'd like to add is that I'd love to see these fights at three-minute rounds. I yeah. mean, two-minute yeah. rounds is not mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, they have to be three-minute rounds. It's just, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a yeah. waste, you know? Mm-hmm. These yeah. fights at two minutes, it's a waste. But now we're talking yeah. about, now we're talking about if Eddie Hearn decides to have these fights in England, you know, which he could very much have them here in the United States because of Matchroom Boxing USA. 
But if he decides to have him in England, then we have to deal with the British Board of Boxing. And we don't know. I've never seen a public, I've never seen any public declaration by the public, by the British Board of Boxing on their stand of the two-minute round. So right now, what, who's controlling the two-minute round are the sanctioning bodies, and more importantly, the WBC. So um, we've, we've had fighters on the show, and even not on the show, but on another platform say that they're going to fight to have the three-minute rounds. But the biggest fight is going to be to go to these to these organizations and say, hey, I want a three-minute round. If you don't let me do a three-minute round, I'm not going to fight mm-hmm. here for your belt. For your belt. That's the mm-hmm. way we're going to we, – that's the way we're going to do change. And there's going to be some fighters that need to sacrifice and say, hey, I really want this belt. It's been my dream for I don't know how long to win a world title belt, but I want equality as well. So they, we, they're going to have to decide. We can't decide for them. They need to decide what's more important, that green and gold belt, that pink belt from the WBO, whatever, the black belt from uh, from the IPF, uh, the red belt from the WBO, or not, that was pink, uh, whatever, the WBA. What's more important, equality or the belt? It, it, that's what it comes down to it. I mean, I think that talk, we've done enough talking. Now it's for them to say, if you don't allow me to do a three-minute round, I'm not going to fight for your belt. There goes your sanctioning fee. There goes there goes the chance to have your belt around my waist. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's not happening. And, and, and there's nothing really we, – we talked about it long enough. I mean, we've been talking about it for 95 episodes. But it's now, it, it, it's now their turn. To, and, I'm, and, not, and a lot of them have. A lot of them have. Like Layla McCarter has said it. You know, like she wants equality. She wants equality in person. You know, uh, Heather Hardy has done it as well. Uh, um, Alicia Napoleon. Oh, uh, the majority of fighters have called for for um, for equality in purses and in, in in the in the the uh, the time for the for the the rounds. But it hasn't made a difference. So now, what's gonna make a difference is actually putting where your money, your mouth where your the money where your mouth is, and saying, okay, you're not gonna let me fight a three minute round. I'm not gonna fight for your belt. I'm still ex-fighter. I'm still this name. I still command this much attention through social media and through fight fans. You know, I mean, I want that mm-hmm. belt, but I want equality more. And that's what it comes down to. What do you want more, equality or the belt? And that's exactly what needs to happen. And as right now, as we can see, um, it, you know, it, it's not happening. Um, now, as far as the Hamadouche signing to the W to Eddie Hearn, I'm very happy about it because I want to see Hamadouche at a very big stage, and this is the biggest stage for female boxing mm-hmm. as of 2020. I mean, to be able to watch her fights, you would have to wait to somebody post them from France. They're in mm-hmm. the commentary is in French. I like the commentary because the commentators they have these sit downs, you know, or Zoom meetings now in COVID, and they get these little tidbits that they can use in the uh, in the commentary of the fight. And I like and that's how kinda you kinda learn about certain things about the fighters. You know, things that maybe we don't know about them that these uh, commentators are able to get out of them. And I like listening mm-hmm. to those commentary to learn these different things about these fighters. And when the fight's in French, I don't know. I don't know if how much how she started fighting, how many amateur fights she done, you know, how she, what's her mm-hmm. love for boxing. I don't know any of that. And now we are gonna be able to find out. Uh, because she's at a yeah. at a big big stage. But one thing that I did see in social media since the announcement of the signing, David, um, is that a lot of people 
in the United States are starting to kind of complain. It's not the right word, but notice that all these fighters are getting signed. Eva Braunica of Poland is getting signed. Hamadouche is getting signed from France. And all these other fighters are getting signed, but American fighters are not getting signed. You know, mm-hmm. not, by, yeah. not, by, not by top rank, not by Golden Boy, and not by Eddie Hearn's matchroom boxing. Why? Uh, well, it, it seems uh, it seems that the Europeans are more uh, intelligent about you know the female fight scene. They're, they've always been ahead of the game uh, for the last thirty years. They've been ahead of the game uh, in terms of uh, female boxing, and then Mexico they got smarter there. They put it way up on top. It, it's just the Americans are always behind in everything. I don't know why they always yes. want a sure and, thing. It's always about money. Yeah. And you know what else is is the fans? Um, Europe, I mean, they have great, the U.K. has amazing fans, and they're diehards. I mean, they stick up for their fighters, you know. Mm-hmm. And Mexico's is strong, too. I mean, maybe if we had a bigger and broader, which is what we're trying to do, fan base, you know, it, it'll make um, it'll make the guys um, or the promoters do something about it, you know. I yeah, I mean, and, and we're starting to realize that the, the the American boxing audience is a chauvinistic boxing audience. I mean, more, you know, we know it for a fact that 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 the majority of boxing fans don't care for female boxing. The majority of boxing media don't mm-hmm. care about boxing, female boxing, yeah. and and, yeah. and it's really, and I find it really hard to understand because. I mean, I don't know how I don't know what the what the how society is in England because I don't live there, um, how chauvinistic they are as far as society in general. But but in boxing world, like Lupe just mentioned, they lo- they fought. I mean, Katie Taylor's a superstar over there. Terry Harper is mm-hmm. building over there. Natasha Jones is building over there. Um, um, Cameron Chantel Cameron's bo- the Courtney girl that just fought that girl that beat her yeah, ball is in there. Even the Australian, um, I forget her name, the Australian, has a big following Ebony. in, uh, yeah, Ebony Bridges, or Ebony what's her Bridges. last name? Yeah, she has a, a, a huge following in the UK, you know? So know. it's not that. And in, Mex- and in Mexico, where quite honestly, for a long time, you know, the, the society was to keep women pregnant, pregnant uh, barefoot and pregnant, it's one of the biggest boxing scenes, female boxing scenes in the world. I mean, it's Argentina. At a time, it was Germany, but not so much. So it was Argentina right now and Mexico. Those are the biggest female boxing scenes there is. I mean, Mexican boxing brings in fighters from the United States because Mm -hmm. Ava Knight fought there, Melissa McMorris fought there. Um, They bring in fighters from Argentina. Jessica Tutti-Bop has fought there. The Bos Bermudez sisters has fought there. Alejandro Siveros has fought there. Marcela Cunha has fought there. They bring in fighters from Japan, you know. So mm-hmm. the and you know, with this whole macho thing, the female boxers they headline. I think female boxing headlines the two biggest te- te- terrestrial networks in Mexico on the same Saturday night. I see. I see. A Seca channel have a as a headliner a, a female fight and the Televisa channel have uh, in their main event a female fight on the same Saturday night. I mean, 
if that's not supporting female boxing, I don't know what is. So I don't know what United States top rank. I mean, top rank has one fighter. Golden Boy has three. Um, and that's it. And Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Boxing USA has one. Cecilia Breakhouse? I mean, no. Well, Debella has, has a lot, too. Debella has a lot, too. Unfortunately for Debella, he doesn't have a platform right now, which he is working on, uh, supposedly, but he doesn't have a platform. Mm-hmm. De, uh, De, Salida, Dimitri Salida Promotions also has, you know, Clarissa Shields, they have Anna Rankin, they have a couple other fighters, but again, oh, no, pla- know, no platform. Hey, Felipe, they, she, um, they just signed um, Dee Perkins, so we had her yeah. on Fresh Faces, so that's, yeah. I mean, that's the heavyweight, you know. And, and Mark you know, Tappet, Mark Tappet signed it, right? Yeah. Right. So after Mark signed Dee Perkins, um, Rick Ramos, um, Jessica McCaskill's trainer, went out on Twitter and says, hey, I would love to sign a heavyweight. So maybe that's what needs to happen. We just need to keep putting it out there, getting names out there. And I, I know it's slow. It's so slow. Yeah. It's, it's just it's slow. And it's kind of frustrating that it's slow in the United States where in other countries it's it's really ramping up and the snowball is starting to gather steam and gather size mm-hmm. and, and people are starting to notice it on social media because I saw a thread on Twitter people discussing the very thing that we're yeah. discussing now. So mm-hmm. yeah. that is a fight chatter for uh, for this week and now we go up to upcoming calendar which we do have some fights happening. I don't think any of them are going to be televised in the United States, but if you can find them on a stream or wait for them to be broadcast or posted on Facebook, you can do so. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you have a chance and you can Google or YouTube that fight between Sandra Robles and Jessica Neri Plata from Mexico Uh, City, it was a a really good fight. Unfortunately for them, it doesn't count on the record, but um, it was a good fight. It was good action. So, Friday, September 25th, from the Czech Republic, the uh, 105, is it 105 or 102? I think she's 100 and, oh, the 102, the Adam Waite champion for the WBC, Fabiana Bichiki, will be fighting in a non-title eight-rounder against Claudia Ferenci, Ferenci at 112 pounds. So she's actually going to go 10 pounds over her. Wow. Other than that, let me tell you the credentials for Claudia Ferenci. And obviously, this is a stay busy fight for Fabiana Bitiki, who is 15 and 0 with one draw and five knockouts. But Claudia Ferenci, at 27 years old, she's been a pro for 11 years. So she actually, um, she actually has she went pro at 16. You know, I didn't see where she's from. Let me see where she's from. Uh, do, 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 do. Let me, let me see real quick what country she's in Romania. Uh, she might be because I I don't know if those places out there let you go pro that young at 16. I mean Mexico does, but uh, Claudia Ferinci is from Slovakia. Slovakia. She's so she went pro in Slovakia at 16. Yeah, no, she went pro in Germany at 16. Then she fought in France and well, in 11 years she's put together a record of. 104 fights with a record of 20 wins, 75 losses, and 8 draws and 10 knockouts. She scored 10, 50% knockout rate. So she's fought 104 times in 11 years. 
I was looking at her record because I'm I'm fascinated by these kind of records. And at sometimes she was fighting. One time she fought six days later. She fought a fight, and six days later she fought again. And then other times she fought two weeks later. But that was I think that was the the shortest span between fights was six days. So that fight's happening on Friday, the September 25th in Czech Republic. Fabiana Bitiki against Claudia Ferinci in an eight rounder at 112 pounds. The same day in France, in Paris, Estelle Mosley, who was part of the uh, amateur uh, team for France, but now is a pro, will be taking on Aureli Froment in an eight rounder at 135 pounds. So she's a really good fighter. She's in the top 30 under 30 list on the prizefighters.com. So you want to check her out on, on YouTube once this fight happens on Friday, September 25th. Then Saturday, September 26th from Denmark, Dina Torsland will be defending her WBO 122-pound title against Nina Rado, Radovanovic. Um, that's in a 10-rounder. And from Kobe, Japan, Mika Iwakawa will take on Nane Suzuki in a 10-rounder for the WBO 102-pound title. That's the a good fight. Yeah. And also, I think on the 25th or the 26th, um, I didn't put it on the on the script here, but uh, the uh, WBC 122 pound champion Jamelis Mercado will also be on a non-title fight um, in Tijuana. Here, closed doors. It's going to be televised on pay-per-view. Hmm. So I didn't, I don't know if they put that on a, on box rig. So I don't even know if they're going to count it. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if they count that fight. I think it's going to be on Saturday the 26th. But uh, but she is fighting on that card, as far as I know, from a fighter from here from Tijuana. And lastly, from Vietnam on Sunday, the September 27th, Ayaka Miyao will take on T2 Nguyen, T2 Nguyen, and a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO 105-pound title. So we're starting to see some movement in the female boxing world all across the world. I mean, we got Czech Republic, we got Denmark, we got mm-hmm. Paris, we got mm-hmm. Japan, and we got Vietnam, which we hardly ever see. Hoshi City, we hardly see that. And these are all, the majority of these are going to be world titles, WBO 102, WBO 105, WBO 122, and Fabiana Bitiki, world champion for a non-title, and Yamiles Mercado in a non-title as well. So there you have it, folks. That is our whole show, number 95 of Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. We will be back on October 1st with hopefully a very good special guest, Lupi. Don't say who it is, but I think you're working on it. And we'll see you back here on October 1st on the Two Minute Round. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, night, guys. Bye.